A Washington, D.C. appeals court has cleared the way for a high-profile lawsuit that turns in part on the evidence for and against climate change. The suit is a libel claim filed by Michael Mann, a Penn State University scientist who helped develop what became known as the hockey stick graph, showing a recent spike in the Earth's temperature. That graph, first published in 1999, made Mann a target for climate change skeptics. The criticism of Mann only increased a decade later when thousands of hacked emails were released suggesting, according to skeptics, that Mann and other scientists had manipulated data. Mann is now suing two bloggers who said Penn State didn't adequately investigate those allegations before the university absolved him of wrongdoing. The Post likened the university's probe to its inquiry into the accusations against Jerry Sandusky, the football coach who was convicted of child molestation. In letting the case go forward, the D.C. Court of Appeals said a reasonable jury could find that the Post falsely accused Mann of misconduct, and that, the court said, could amount to defamation. With us to talk about the case is Kenneth White, a founding partner at Brown, White & Osborne, a Los Angeles-based firm, and once again, Jonathan Adler of Case Western University School of Law. Welcome to you both. Um, Ken, I know you have some issues with this uh, appeals court decision, but let me just ask you to start by uh, you know, describing it to us, uh, you know, give it, give it a, a fair run. What did the, the judge writing the opinion have to say? Well, sure. I mean, the context here is that the defendants in Professor Mann's case filed what's called an anti-slap motion. It's a uh, statute that allows defendants in a suit that attacks free speech to try to get out of it early. And a lot of the main issues on appeal were sort of dry technical ones. One of them being, if you lose an anti-slap motion, can you appeal immediately or do you have to wait to go through a trial? Now, the Court of Appeals did say you could appeal immediately, and that's a very big victory for defendants in speech cases. But the other thing that the D.C. Court of Appeals did was to look through the evidence and decide that it was sufficient for the very low standard they set for uh, Professor Mann to keep going. What they said was all that he had to show to survive an anti-slap motion is to produce some evidence which, if a jury believed it, would be enough to prevail. And what they really said was this. They said, first of all, it wasn't clear enough, in their view, that this, these statements about man were opinion as opposed to assertions of fact. And that's because the writers didn't couch them with terms like, in my opinion. I don't think that's right. I think that the sort of the hyperbole and the uh, vivid language that the writers used made it pretty clear they were engaging in commentary. In Ken, Ken, let me let me bring Jonathan in. Jonathan, you you agree with that? I mean, there were some facts in these in, in these posts, weren't there? It, it, it talked about in, in comparing or likening man to Sandusky. It says he has molested and tortured data in the service of, in the service of politicized science. Uh, aren't those facts that could be the basis of a defamation suit? Well, I, I think we, there are two things that are important here. One is the context, right? The, this, the context was that the, both writers were taking issue with an investigation that they believe was insufficiently rigorous and whitewashed what they believe was misconduct on behalf of Michael Mann. It's kind of like criticizing a court that exonerates someone you think is guilty. Um, and I, I would think we would agree that it's permissible opinion for someone to say that, for example, they think George Zimmerman murdered Trayvon Martin. Um, it, it's, that's different from saying 
George Zimmerman was found to be guilty of murdering Trayvon Martin, the former. I think we recognize, especially in a context like we see here as as opinion, the latter purely a statement of fact that's wrong. It's a claim about what's what 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 a tribunal did. Um, to say that that their characterization in this case is a potentially defamatory f- factual claim is to severely to constrain the ability of people to criticize investigations, to criticize official pronouncements about whether or not folks engage in wrongdoing or not. And, and I think that's problematic. Ken, Ken, that, Ken, what's a, let me ask Ken, sure. do you agree with that? What's the line between... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think Jonathan is perfectly right, and I think his Zimmerman analogy is a great one. What the court did here was say that because... All of these institutions conducted these investigations and decided that Professor Mann hadn't conducted academic misconduct. Therefore, that was evidence that it must have been malicious to suggest that he did. Malicious in the free speech sense, meaning that knowing that the allegation was false or reckless about whether or not it was false. And the the Zimmerman um, analogy uh, is perfect because he could make the same argument that if I said, you know, he murdered Trayvon Martin, Zimmerman under this decision could say, well, this is a malicious statement as a matter of law because, you know, a jury found that I didn't murder anybody. Uh, So I don't think it's... uh, a good decision on that basis. Um, I think that it was far too hyper-technical in evaluating what is opinion versus what is a statement of fact. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank both of our guests. Excuse me, Jonathan Adler of Case Western University School of Law and Kenneth White of Brown, White and Osborne in Los Angeles. Uh, that's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. Thanks to our technical director, Chris Tricomi, and our producer, David Sutcherman. Coming up on Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. Carol, what's on tap today? Hey, hi there, Greg. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Hello. the venture capital world, uh, maybe some more unicorns to look out for in 2017. We're also going to talk with the head of Hatch Baby and uh, also talk about what you need to know in terms of tax prep, because, Greg, it's just around the corner. Yes, it is. Sounds fascinating. That's all coming up on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg.